My name is John Lyas and this is part one of a two-part special edition of the podcast. Inspired by a couple of news stories that happened recently, we're going to take a look at the notion of nostalgia in film journalism, in film criticism, on the web and beyond. And also we're going to be having a special conversation with Keith Coogan, who is star of the 80s classics Adventures in Babysitting and Don't Tell Mum the Babysitter's Dead. He's going to talk to us about working in the 80s as a child actor, working with Corey Haim in particular, um, who sadly died last week. I um, hope you enjoy these uh, these two podcasts. Um, the first one that I'm going to be introducing now is a chat with SlashFilm.com's Brendan Connolly. We take a look at what nostalgia means for us personally uh, as writers on the web. And then the second episode will be our conversation with Keith Coogan. So I hope you enjoy them both. As always, you can get in touch with us at mouthoffheyyouguys.co.uk. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash heyyouguysblog. What, in your opinion, is the sort of role of nostalgia in in our world, in our sort of world of, of film journalism and also in the sort of wider Hollywood arena? Well, I mean, if I were to go pick up a copy of Sound and Sound magazine, I think there's probably some vestiges of nostalgia in there. They're just they're just hidden. But when I start clicking around the the blogosphere, where you know the majority of of, of the bigger sites are written by what we would call fanboys, geeks, or nerds, there seems to be a very very powerful, very sort of bare faced uh, drive of nostalgia. I don't quite get it. I don't. I don't. I don't. I'm not so desperate to cling on to my childhood. I don't think that's one thing. I'm quite happy for it to to have been a a step along a path rather than you know the be all and end all. And I, I honestly don't think films of the eighties were, were were better than the films of today. Um, I, I, and for that matter, I don't think they were better than the films of the nineties. But I do think that they were, in many respects, I would say, better than the films of the seventies, which in turn were in many respects better than the films of the sixties. Now this is a controversial idea because we've just gone through a wave where the films of the 70s have been held up as the sort of you know absolute paragon of, of filmmaking quality in the golden era of hollywood at least was considered to be to be the 70s if not if not the 30s and the 70s and then the 70s um i'm not sure i buy it really I, I i don't none of the arguments have ever really washed with me i mean are, you know, are we not always getting good films? Are, are are the better films or the more memorable films or the more popular films just not filtered by time? Is this just not a process of, of what works? And is it not, in effect, a destructive process? Are there not loads of great films from the 70s, 60s, 50s, 40s, 30s that I'm not getting to see? Well, because people are bringing up films from the 80s and... I mean, it, it, I, I say it seems to me that it is the eighties in particular, and and I can't talk because, of course, you know, we named our site after you know a quote from from uh, you know a kids' adventure film. How, how old are you, John? May, may I ask? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm thirty four. Okay. I was born in seventy six. Are we, are we thinking that's got a, a quite powerful effect on the way this is working? We're looking at people who are between, I'd say, maybe twenty eight and forty, mm. setting the setting the tone here, and I myself am between twenty eight and forty. Um, I think maybe that's that, that's part of it, and that's why we've been recently we've been for a big wave of nostalgia for the, for the seventies, and, and why I think at the moment we're going for a big wave of nostalgia for the for the eighties. Um, 
I, I don't know. I, I, as I said the other the other day when we were talking about the John Hughes moment on the Oscars, you try finding me somebody who's around about fifty who really cared too much about that, and it's someone who's got a you know vested interest for another reason. I mean, if you if you slice the public like like you know in half and you look at the rings of the tree, you'll see a circle or, or three of you know that have got John Hughes name tagged on them. That you see an awful lot of others that wouldn't. Well, it's interesting the way that it works and also the way that it doesn't work because recently. Um ITV three or some you know some some city channel played Top Gun really late at night and I'd never seen Top Gun. Now when I tweeted that I'd never seen it, the instantly the reaction from my peers who are of a similar age was, "How can you call yourself you know a cinema fan? How can you write on a site called Hey You Guys and you've never seen Top Gun, etc. etc." And I was what, thinking, what was my reaction, John? Do you remember? I think it was Turnover Now or something like that, wasn't it? <laughs> It wasn't um, positive, that's for sure. Yeah, exactly. Well, the, the, I mean, the thing is, um, I was tweeting and emailing and Skyping with Dave at, at, at the time, and, and Dave loves his 80s films much, much more than I do, um, but we do sort of share a connection. So he was thinking, well, fantastic, we can watch it together, and he could tell me all these bits about it, and he it basically meant that he would tell me what great bit of rock, you know, hard rock was coming next on on the soundtrack. And it was, I, I could get into it because it was, A, I didn't see it as, as as a kid. So therefore I didn't have that sort of connection to it. But also it wasn't particularly good. Um, and that made me think, well, you know, this is the same for everyone else. And it's, it started me thinking that a lot of the films that I hold sort of very dear to me are not necessarily good films. Um, and of course, that's quite a positive thing to kind of, you know, remove them from, you know, this, uh, this sort of nostalgic hold. Um, but I have to say that there, there, there are many people and it's, and it is the age range that you talked about and maybe they're controlling certain things in, in studios or maybe there's like a lot of executives around our age no, they're just buying. Them. They're just buying the tickets, John. They're, they're the people who are supposedly come to buy the tickets at the moment. It's targeting them. Mm. These people, these remakes aren't being started out of a, out of passion and love for the original <laughs> film. Exactly. They're, yeah. they're, they're targeting an audience that they think will will consume them. It's working that way around. And 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 you know we're seeing that. You know, I mean, how, how many times this year, uh, you know, we've seen remake of 80s films like, you know, there was a thing about Predators and there's the A-Team and there's Tron and you can just go on and on and on. And it's, to me, initially I thought, well, that, you know, that's quite good because, A, it, you know, if, if, if these films were any good, then people can go back and revisit them. Um, but also it means that, you know, there's a, it'll be quite cool to see in like another Predator film or, you know, another A-Team film. And then I thought, actually, I'm being far too naive about this. It's all about the money and it's all about kind of exploitation of people who are sort of, you know, really have, they, they, they have these memories of, of seeing these films in their childhood and they want to sort of relive it in some way. And I'm, I kind of want to stand there and say, is it a good film? Yeah, it's like the cinematic equivalent of a medium, isn't it? They're taking your money, but they're <laughs> offering you some sort of like falsehood as some sort of emotional comfort. That's it, exactly. But don't, I mean, I'm, I'm finding it quite strange because I'm waiting for the, you know, for sort of the, you know, the next nostalgia wave because it, it, it struck me that um, we grew up in, in the 80s and in the early 80s there were no, you know, easily accessible videos. So a lot of the films you saw once and you saw them at the cinema and that was really, really great. It was only sort of towards the mid to late 80s when video machines came home and you could um and you could watch your films over and over again um and it could be that because dvds and everything uh, are so accessible now and people have brought back so many of, of the old 80s films that people can can now actually look at them you know hopefully fresh and say actually that film that i loved and it meant so much to me when i was a kid 
that is actually a bit pants. Do you know what I mean? But I don't think they will, John. Do you know why I don't think they will? Why's that? Because because they're not interested in doing that. To, the, to reappraise, to, to, to reframe, to look back on something requires mm. the engagement of a cr- critical faculty. And you and I are encouraged uh, and, and almost sort of obliged to do that for, for the sake of our conversations, for the sake of our output, for the sake of, mm. um, you know, having something meaningful to say. But your man in the street, why? Why should he bother? He likes what he likes, and that's fair enough. So it's almost I mean, like comfort food, isn't it, really? That's the sort of thing it yeah. seems to be. Um, I know. We're, you know, we're restaurant critics, and, and they're not. I mean, that's the way it sort of works. Do you know what I mean? We're, we're sort of obliged to go out and taste a bunch of different stuff, and they can just stay home and eat turkey twizzlers all day if they want. It doesn't really matter. It, it, it matters only in the sense that that's that I'm, I'm, I'm slightly... This is kind of why this conversation's happening, because... Um, when Corey Haim, when the news about Corey Haim's death came out, people were talking about Lost Boys, and um, and I had to write up it when I when I did the story that you know he was he was he appeared in the in the Lost Boys sequel, and you know he was going to appear in like the fourth Lost Boys film as it was going to be, and it just it just made me made me think that you know the Lost Boys two was a terrible terrible film, and the only good bit that I remember telling people about was right at the end when um, Corey Feldman and Corey Haim kind of met together, and spoiler alert for Lost Boys 2 but don't bother watching it um, Corey Haim was now a vampire that sort of thing and it's almost as if why, why were you recommending that moment? and this is exactly my point I was recommending a film based on a moment that lasted maybe 40 seconds which would make you think of oh, was, isn't it great to see them back on the screen again because you know 20 odd years have passed since they were last you know in in the, in the guise of the Lost Boys Do you know what I mean so it was all the, 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 there have been moments recently that kind of made me question the link and the hold that nostalgia has, but also what that link is doing to you know to films that are being produced now. I'm not saying that every film is is a remake or every film has to have this you know connection to to the past. But whenever I see a story about a remake uh, or you know someone you know in, we were talking about re- um, the the plan to remake Suspicion. Um, the Hitchcock film with Will Smith, there was a rumour running about that. And I initially said no, because you can't remake it. And I actually saw Suspicion this afternoon. They played it on BBC Two. And I'm thinking, you know what? This could actually do with, you know, with, with, with being remade. It's slightly different to the whole nostalgia argument, but it is, of course, you know, remakes are just constantly being played and played and played. And I'm thinking, is there ever going to be a, a time where we don't look back on the films we loved as as, as children? You know, you know when we look forward to, to this summer's programme at the RSC and they're trotting out a bunch of Shakespeare productions with new casts and new directors and a slightly different take, is anybody hissing about these being reboots or remakes? That's it. I think I think it's kind of fair to, to take a new approach at stuff and have a look at stuff, just as long as what you're doing with it is is, is valid. So, I mean, you know, if I sat and watched Suspicion something, which I, which I didn't, had I known it was on, I, I, I may have had it on in the background as I slaved away, but um, had I watched it, I probably would have you know what a tremendous film um i wonder what a remake would be like neither they should do it or they shouldn't do it i mean you know i've got i don't really feel any investment either way really Mm. i'm more interested in who's making a film what they've got to say Mm. and is it any good i would have thought yeah ultimately when it comes out is it any good do you find it you know bizarre when i mean it's, it's almost as if um there's the like you have people who love twilight and will talk about it endlessly and will and there will be a huge wave of nostalgia for that in a 15 20 year period from now well i, I was thinking harry potter's going to be the next big thing because you know people love harry potter and they grew up with it in maybe 10 
maybe 10, maybe, maybe even five years' time, you know, after the last film, they'll, they'll look back at it and it'll become symbolic of a time when they were, you know, they had potentially they had an easier life and they, you know, were able more easily for them to get swept away by these, by these things that they saw on screen. Yeah, I don't know. I think, I think you're right. I think maybe five years is, is hopefully might be too short. Yeah, I'm cynical about you, that, you, yeah. you never know. Um, yeah, it's, so it's, it's definitely Twilight. Definitely. Yeah. And, and the people who don't get it now, you know, will be will be old and grey, and will get it even less. Exactly. Yeah. But the thing is, I'm I'm thinking that there's 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 an, another um, you know section of of society which are the the eighties nostalgia geeks, and they they're the ones that you know buy up speak and spells on eBay. And I do find it interesting that when I look at our sector, mm. quite, look, hey, you guys, uk slash film dot com, even aidicool dot com. Mm. Um, even going out to Collider for a show. All these guys, right? Yeah. They're all very protective of their 80s stuff. They all particularly like it. They're all invested in it. I know Peter Soretta's favourite film is Back to the Future, and I'll tell you what, it's a great film. Mm -hmm. And I can understand why it would be anybody's favourite film. But I'll tell you, if I said to him tomorrow, oh, I've just heard uh, you know an inside bit of news, they're remaking Back to the Future. Yeah. He'd go... And he just would not be happy about it at all. Yeah. And I'm just thinking, well, it's not going to delete Back to the Future. But here's what I think his argument would be. It would stop people watching the old film. Yeah, yeah. That's considered to be the danger of remakes, that they sort of somehow supersede. Yeah. But I mean, really... I mean, do people watch the remake of Psycho rather than the old Psycho? Do people watch A Perfect Murder rather than Dial M for Murder? Do people, you know, I mean, is this, is this happening? No, I, but I think, I mean, going on a tangent slightly, I think this isn't about nostalgia, but this is about uh, foreign language remakes, and I can understand that fear when you when people uh, have let me in. In, in the cinemas and they hear that it's based on like a Swedish film just a couple of years you know before that you know called Let the Right One In um, are they going to you know go back and revisit what I will assume although I'm keeping it in mind is a superior version of it so I can understand it from that point of view but whose fault is that John? Is that <laughs> Matt Reeves' fault for, for making Let Me In? No 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 and, and I have to say that, that you know I'm actually quite looking forward to it even though I really really love the original but what I what what I mean is that I can understand the fear of some people, but to be honest with you, if you were, if you were going to watch a subtitled Swedish, you know, uh, film, then you would have seen it already. I would have assumed, you know, because it got such, you know, it got such good praise, didn't it? But I, there are there are certain films which I think they they will never remake, and I think it's because of the rush of nostalgia. Back to the Future is one of them, and The Goonies is another one. I think. Um, Do you reckon? Yeah. I, 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 well, the thing is, there was. Um, I don't think The Goonies is safe. They, they 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 can't do it and and part of me responding there was a was a bit of a goonies fan but also the other part is is the person who would try and imagine them remaking the goonies today why call it the goonies why it's just kids on an adventure do you know what i mean it was... why not call it the goonies i mean the idea is that that kids films are visited by parents and kids Right, so if it's got some sort of resonance for the parents, and the parents have got some idea of what the film is, yeah. then it might be a bit of an easier sell. I, I, I think if you do a bunch of kids on an adventure, pirate treasure, evil criminals, oh no, they're going to sell the town, we can change it all by midnight, blah, 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 that sort of, those sort of MacGuffins that are in the Goonies and, and, and its ilk, yeah. and you make another film of that kind right now, 
uh, or in five years or ten years, and you called it the Goonies, all that calling the Goonies would do would be greasing it for the parents, or, or you know, the uh, even perhaps by that point the grandparents. <laughs> uh, That's a worrying thought. Yeah, the kids along, you know. Um, I, I think I think it's likely. That would that would be freaky. Uh, my 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 um. My response to that is I would think that it's much more likely that they made a, a sequel and had the original cast as the parents and then they, they sort of appear, you know, in cameos, you know, to, to bookend it. I, I can't imagine them, them doing a remake. But, and this, this is half my That's problem. That's how quickly they do it, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. I mean, but Back back to the Future, I think that that was, you know, a real iconic film. And, of course, it, it's, uh, it's, it's Back to the Future's and The Goonies' 25th anniversary uh, this year. So, of course, there'll be a ton of, you know... Um, screenings I would have thought and you know a ton of nostalgia for that in, in itself I can't imagine that what's going to come out of that is um, you know remakes Ahoy because if they could have done it then they would have done it for, for now I would have thought but it's it's funny because well, one, one day one day I mean you know there's, there's no more film title iconic I think and powerful than Psycho and yeah. the fact that Psycho was remade I think speaks volumes yeah but that was remade shot for shot do you know what I mean so it's well it was and it wasn't but that that was the hook they were, I mean what they were saying was, we're, we're going to remake it, but we're going to remake it in a kind of a, in an odd way. We're going to do it exactly. So, you know, there, there was a sort of a, a specificity to it that made me think but this is more there, there kind of wasn't. That was kind of, there, there isn't. I mean, there really isn't. There's sort of, there's, there's definitely elements in that film that are not in, in the original. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. But, um, you know, in, in terms of like, in terms of shots and cuts. But, um, you know, yeah, of course it's a lot closer than things normally are but I think that was a I think that was a get us off the hook uh, uh, marketing point as every bit as much as it was a sort of a you know artistic motivation on the part of uh, Mr Van Stan but I mean it's happened it was remade they did not bulk at this notion I don't think the people funding that film were, were worried about you know how credible an artistic notion it, it seemed to remake it I think they were worried about whether they could get away with it and they're subtly different different points and I think sooner or later they think they can get away with anything sure I mean well, it, you know, we've had remakes of Metropolis yeah. we've you know Nosferatu but you would never see 2001 remade I can't imagine that kind of thing being remade but you'll have things which are inspired by it I can like, imagine someone else adapting that novel even though the novel yeah, was yeah. based on Rather than the other way around. Yeah, 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 exactly. But I, I, I think in 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 calling in calling Psycho Psycho uh, and making it you know a direct remake, I think that they did kind of set it up to say um, this is a remake of, of of the Hitchcock film. You all know the Hitchcock film, so we're not going to deviate too much from it. But because I can't imagine that there'd be many people going into the second Psycho thinking, uh, "What's this Psycho? Who is this Hitchcock that people are talking about?" I can't. I, to me, maybe that's being a bit naive. It's definitely it's definitely happened since it's been on television. Yeah, potentially. So people will think that that's the psycho that everyone's talking about and thinks it's really great. Yeah, I get it. Um, I don't know. This 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 this, this whole questions that have kind of come to me in, in in the last couple of weeks. It's it's been really strange because um, nostalgia is so much part of our of our society now, um, and we have instant recall of things that we grew up with. And uh, I think in some ways you can be blinded to to reason and just sort of hold on to your you know to your lovely childhood memories of watching you know, the Goonies, for example, and not be able to look at it with a critical eye. But to be honest with you, I think that's that's not necessarily a bad thing. I'm happy for people to do that as they will. What I don't want for that to have, for you know, to be a consequence is, to, is for people to then, be, you know, become lazy and 
you know, not seek new things and not seek new ideas. Now I'm talking about, you know, people who are writing new things and writing new projects because every time a remake is announced, my problem is always there's an original idea which, you know, has may have may have potential well, that is going. You know, there are down. those who have original ideas and there are those who decide to do uh remakes and I think never the smokes of meat sometimes to be honest. Exactly, but there's only like one pot of cash and I think it's it's certainly become, you know, the way of things in in, in the last sort of five, maybe ten years for studios to say, what what's an easier bet? Are we gonna, you know, bet on something new and something original? Or are we going to go with something like the 18 where we've got an inbuilt audience and their kids now, for example? Do you know what I mean? Most, yeah, absolutely. Most films in the history of Hollywood have been based upon something. Yeah. Be it stage play or a novel. I would say it's it's a, a large minority that was original screenplays, but but a minority minority nonetheless. What what interests me about this 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 Delta question though is it sort of gets towards the heart of a, another important question. That's kind of what we want our film critics to to be. Mm-hmm. Do we want them to try and offer some sort of objective critique, some sort of you know means of analysis that we might not be able to. Um, you know, have the time or the inclination to, to formulate by ourselves, or do we want them to express themselves uh, as an individual and just share who they are? And, and I mean, there seems to be a tension in what people want from from critics. It's like they want them to tell them their opinion mm. as though it's fact, yeah, and then they can argue with it. And there seems that seems like a really screwed up relationship in any number of ways to me. What do you think is the answer to that question? How do you approach it? In your work? Well, uh, two different ways, actually, John, to be honest. I try to express how I feel, which mm-hmm. is a very subjective thing. I often write, you know, really, I'm writing about me. If I was to write about the film Reanimator and how much I enjoy it, I would not be by any means making an objective <laughs> defence of that film. Sure, yeah. I'd be talking about me. What I'm really talking about is me. Yeah. If you want to read it or you don't want to read it, fair enough. I'm less interested in that, though, than, uh, than what I think is um, going for... for Something that we can commute between one another, something we can share, a point of view that we can all agree on, and that might not—that might not be a very popular idea at the moment. I have to say that um, there is a heavy uh, focus on. I've just seen a film. This is my this is my opinion of it, as opposed to this is my reading of the film. This is why I got you know the things that I did out of it, and not really looking beyond the surface of how it made me feel. And I don't normally subscribe to that because that's fine, but it is very much um, this person's opinion. They could have had a bad day. They could hate the director. And all of a sudden you have people who uh, are either picking holes in it and want to you know, get their opinion across. And it becomes less about the film and it, and it's sort of success, you know, in terms of the craft of it, in terms of, you know, the ideas behind it and much more about how that person felt on the day. And it's almost as if um, this, this is part of a much bigger question about the notion of, you know, film criticism and, you know, where it's going. And um, when I was studying film at university, it was much more about deconstructing the film, much more about, you know, looking a bit beyond it. But if you do that now, you get called pretentious by the, by the rest of the people on the <laughs> but, web. 
But, but yes, exactly. Don't you just um, clear our throats. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But that, that kind of pisses me off a little bit because I'm thinking not everything has to be taken down to um, to a level that is uh, which which means that you know you can be very sarcastic about something uh, and therefore you know win a lot of friends and influence a lot of people by being yeah. funny about it. Shield yourself in irony, you know. Shield yourself mm. in irony. I think that there's probably it's it's pretty tricky and it's a it's a curve right and at the one end is truly sort of empirical uh, understanding of how film film works right mm. and that's not very glamorous and it doesn't allow for for much of the things that people would expect to see discussed in a film review and then at the other end it's pure subjective opinion mm. and I think you know both you and I throw our, our flag at various different places along that line at, at different times but as long as i think we make it clear what we're doing with the language we're using that's yeah enough. i think you're right and um, that's why i think you know having different people with different you know ab- abilities and different points of view i mean i'm talking about our site now because i know that um i think i'm one of the only people to have even studied film in any capacity and that doesn't make my opinion on my writing any better it makes it a, of, of a different kind to someone who just loves their film and loves being able to talk about it i think that both can coexist happily um but i'm just you know it's 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 making me wonder um you know where this is all going because of course so much of it is now moving to to you know the internet and there's a just a proliferation of people anyone can set up a blog and say this is what i think of the film and it becomes it becomes out there um so and indeed we both did john exactly did, yeah, yeah you did and i did and, and and we've managed to to have some success at it um, absolutely yeah and not everybody has and whether we you know whether we should be should be rewarded for, for having an opinion and, and big mouths is another question but but i think at least we're at least we do our best to try and make it clear mm. what we whether we're trying to say we like it or whether we're trying to discuss exactly. some of it we think other people could share with us you know yeah well i mean that's that's kind of why you get into it you get into it you know because you want to just talk talk film and that's exactly why 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 i started certainly but i think that coming back to the to to the to the question of sort of you know the, the currency of nostalgia i think it plays a part in any in any interaction when you go on a site called hey you guys for example or if you talk about you know a remake of the a-team or something i think it just becomes part and parcel of it um and on reflection on, on talking about it with you and on you know looking at the way things have gone it's it's it, it worried me initially how much the, the the question of nostalgia and how much it clouded you know original thinking and how much it you know clouded people's views on upcoming films but to be honest with you, I think that it has its part in the same way that you know every film has its has you know every, every sort of um, uh, film will be affected by one thing or another. Be it you know, it's a it's a point of view, isn't it? That's yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a point of view, um, and uh, uh, that's to be to be listened to and to be paid attention to be taken seriously. Exactly, and it's nice to know that even you know if you don't have nostalgic feelings for for something that you can be you know, or even if you do have nostalgic feelings that you can still try and be a bit subjective. Um, Transformers 2 is uh, is arriving on my doorstep courtesy of Love Film. Um, I'm not sure quite why it was on my Love Film list, but I, of course, loved Transformers as a kid, and, of course, the, you know, the movies were, were bad to terrible, and, um, you know, my my nostalgia so, did not even, you know, come into play there. Have you seen the second one? Yes, I have, which is why I don't understand why it was on my Love Film queue. 
it's calamitous, isn't it? I mean, it really is. But but people reacted badly against it. But one of the reasons people reacted badly against it is that they had high hopes for it. So nostalgia sort of bit that one. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And people people were talking about having their hopes dashed and how it was dumb. And but I think you know nostalgia is just one of a group of of, of of forces at work, and it's not always necessarily the the strongest. Exactly. Well, you think of the Transformers as a good example, CG, and you know the and I, I would imagine that you know that's that's a huge part of why people were interested in seeing you know these huge robots in Transformers too but um, Nostalgia didn't play any kind of part for me at all it was just a bad film even if I even if it was if I had a Transformers tattoo on, on my arms which I don't you even don't? if I did no <laughs> it's not on my arm does um, Dave have one does Dave have uh, some sort of goonie on his person somewhere I don't think he's the tattoo kind I have to say but uh, here's an interesting little bit of nostalgia slash back to the future information for you then. 25th anniversary well that was 1985 I mean it, I mean in another what two years we're going to be as far from back to the future as Marty was from the time period he went back to so if they remade it in two years time the year they'd be sending him back to would be the year that they made the first film in. Yeah, but isn't there the hot tub time machine? Isn't that the new film that's coming out where they're yeah. going back into the 80s? So yeah. it's almost as if they're doing that themselves, aren't they, really? Yeah, well, that, I think that's kind of what they're tapping into there, isn't it? But it's interesting with, with Cusack because if you look at you know he, his first public persona such as it was was forged in the in the fires of the of the 80s and you know say anything was a was a, a instrumental film i think in in concrete what people thought of cusack it didn't really have much of an impact over here but in the states more more so yeah. you know and, and his appearance in uh 16 candles and um uh the, the body stand by me yeah. you know and people had an idea and then he reinvented that and if you look at Grace Point Blank it's a fantastic film and it's about nostalgia mm. and it's about um, well it's about all sorts of things about the work ethic mainly actually but um, and about how America has changed over the period of time between when Cusack was uh, in high school and, uh, and when he would be going to his high school reunion but it was almost like a sequel to say anything you could almost project that Martin Blank was like uh, Lloyd Dobler grown up um, and that's quite deliberate I think actually and I think it's it's full of lots of clever commentary on, on nostalgia yeah, yeah. and it's and they tried to do a third one didn't they they tried to do sort of you know a new character but it's in the same vein thing called uh, War Incorporated last year but it just it just got it just got killed by the distributor it just got pushed out on a tiny DVD release nobody saw it wasn't treated fairly at all I haven't even, I haven't even heard of that I have to say how much well, that sounds, there you go there you go fans that's it that's a great thing but I was thinking when they had the John Hughes thing um, on, on the Oscars I was thinking uh, would, would anyone ever revisit you know the films of John Hughes would they have you know Ferris Bueller's month off or would they have you know 60 candles or something like that would they have <laughs> 60 candles fantastic <laughs> but and the thing is they yeah we got now copyright yeah. <laughs> No. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, it's patented right now, but it, it it does make me think because you know these um, the the revisiting of of a of a franchise or of a, of a couple of characters it seems to me the best kind of of if you like sequel or remake because you've got Wall Street coming out sometime this year and that's literally going back to exactly the same characters but they they've kept up with the times that to me is much more of an interesting idea than just remaking um, it is Wall Street now. It is interesting, and 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 I haven't liked an Oliver Stone film since Salvador. Actually, 
Um, so I was much surprised to actually genuinely laugh at the trailer for Wall Street 2. And I thought there was some some truthfully amusing stuff in there. But then, you know, Alan Lowe wrote it and I think he's very smart and I, I'm interested in I'm very interested in Wall Street too and I think I think it's gonna be uh, a worthy return to an old mm. old franchise. But having said that, it, it, it is an Oliver Stone film, so it could be the worst film of the year. <laughs> we'll wait and see, but it's it, it, it's that and it's like Ghostbusters three where they're coming back after, you know, however many years. So it seems to me that if you are gonna do something and base it on nostalgia, then at least have something have the courtesy of inviting the original cast back and if you base it on them then it, I think it makes so much it makes a huge difference because you know with Gordon Gecko being in prison the whole time he's literally walking back into a world he expects to be you know in the 80s but but obviously you know time's moved on with you know with Ghostbusters whatever they try to do with that you're still going to have this you know nostalgic twinge seeing them together but hopefully they'll they'll then address the fact that they're actually they're all old and you know and you know, times have changed. That to me has a lot more to say about. I know, and people are saying, oh, "How dare they have a second wave of young Ghostbusters?" It's like, what you want to see those old fellas running around? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're trying, trying, to, you're trying to give, you're trying to give Dan Aykroyd a hernia. What's going on here? It's not fair. <laughs> Exactly. So, well, it seems that nostalgia is all around, and we've just had you know two two you know sad reminders this week of um, of you know the fact that you know that time obviously has has moved on since you know we saw films that that, that we loved you know as kids. But I think it's healthy. I think it's healthy to keep questioning it. And I think it's healthy to keep you know trying to work out the forces at play, not only in terms of what films are coming out, but also in terms of the way that we. Um, you know, we sort of, you know, consume them. So it's, it's, it's an interesting subject. I think, you know, it won't be the last time, you know, we talk about it, but um, no, it's been, it's and been next time we can reflect nostalgically back upon this conversation. We'll say, do you remember that time we spoke about it? Oh, wasn't it wonderful? <laughs> <laughs>